G'day, it's Phil Edwards, Vision CEO here, with a quick invitation to become part of this amazing beacon of hope called Vision. Together we can put our love into action to help people of all kinds build or rebuild their lives on the truth of God. Please consider the part you can play during our upcoming Visionathon appeal, remembering that it's your support that makes Vision possible, including this podcast. Life, Culture and Current Events from a Biblical Perspective, 2020 on Vision. An amazing story to tell today. Our special guest today, back in 2013, Dr. Klaus Dieter John, was asked to present the special lecture at the Fourth World Congress of Pediatric Surgeons in Berlin. He concluded his presentation with these remarks. He said, This evening there are Hindus, Muslims and Christians, agnostics and atheists gathered in this Congress Centre. I have the greatest respect for your beliefs and convictions, but if you were to ask me how I personally explain the astounding development of Diospi Suyana, I would tell you that I am sure that it was God, it was His work, It was the power of Jesus Christ. Well, a special focus today on the South American nation of Peru, where our special guest serves as a mission doctor, using his surgical training to train doctors to ease suffering in the developing world. Dr. Klaus Dieter John and his wife, Dr. Martina, trained in the best universities of Harvard, Yale, Johannesburg and Berlin. And as believers in Jesus Christ, they both sensed their responsibility to the poorest of the poor. Their mission hospital, called Diospi Sayana, is known around Peru as the hospital built on faith. Dr. Klaus is visiting Australia. It's our privilege today to have him as our special guest. Dr. Klaus, a special welcome along to 2020. Good morning. It's great to be here. Klaus, let's talk about this hospital built on faith because this is uh, this is where you're uh, known for, uh, especially right throughout Peru, for your work there. Uh, Diospiciana, give us a little insight into how the whole hospital works. It's a modern hospital, just as a hospital in, in Brisbane or Sydney, well-equipped with CT scanner, ICU, intensive care unit, six operating theatres, an eye clinic, dental clinic, we've got 50. You may recall that uh, before the Spanish arrived in 1535 in Peru, in Bolivia, there was a mighty empire. It was governed by the Incas. And the descendants of the Incas, they're in misery, in poverty, and we're helping these people. Okay. And when we, as I s- s- mentioned in the introduction there, when we talk about a a hospital the way that uh, Diospiciana is, and you were giving that testimony to the World Congress there of Pediatric Surgeons saying it was the power of Jesus Christ. There is a significant testimony as to the way the hospital in Peru actually got up and off the ground and began to flourish. That is very true. Well, the hospital and the school, and now we've got a media centre, first-class infrastructure, but even better than that is the history behind it, how it came all about. And we started out with nothing, my wife and myself, just praying. And uh, we were convinced that God wants us to build this hospital without debts, without um, asking people um, in conversations for money. But it happened because God did many, many miracles. 
And that's why I've written the book with a strange title, I Have Seen God, the second book, God Has Seen Us, He is Real. We can trust in Him, we can pray, and He will certainly be quick to, to answer. So you've seen the miracles of God in the establishment of the hospital. And when you talk about those sorts of miracles, you arrive as a missionary in Peru. Yeah. Uh, there is extensive widespread poverty, and you begin to work amongst the Peruvian people, and you're putting your medical skills to work, and then what happens is the development of an infrastructure around you and uh, miraculous stories, the provision of God, as you say, you and your wife, on your knees in prayer and asking God what he'll do, and this begins to happen. That is true. Well, first we, we served as missionaries in Ecuador at a small mission hospital where we came to learn how a hospital, a mission hospital functions. You need a support group. You have to... Um, get help, otherwise you run in death because patients will never be able to pay the real the real price of the treatment. So you need uh, somehow support. And um, when we moved to Peru in 2003, actually with our three children, and we moved in, into our Adobe house, very primitive house, we're the only white family among 25,000 Quechua people, and we're looking outside, the, we had bought a, a property, 30 5,000 square meter, and we wanted to build a multi-million modern hospital there. But we had no money, no connection, nothing. But um, we knew that was the inner conviction that God would bless this. And then we came to Europe in 2004 to present our vision. Well, it was quite uh, um, intriguing because in 2004 and five Europe was passing through severe economic crisis. Here we came, Klaus and Tina want to build a multi-million mission hospital, <laughs> and people thought we're absolutely crazy. But we said, if God wants it, it will happen, and it did because he performed these miracles. Okay, tell us a little about the Ketcher people, because uh, these are the, uh, the is that, how do you describe the people of Peru? Do they mostly come from that background? Peru got 32 million citizens. Um, Eight million live in the capital city of Lima, um, Two million in Trujillo, Arequipa, the big cities along the coast. Half of the population, they're indigenous. And most of them are descendants of the ancient Incas. And they live typically in the Andes, mountains high up 5,000, 6,000 meters. And they live in, in misery. Uh, very few jobs. They're peasants. They, they farm the land. There's a big problem with alcohol abuse. There's also, in, in these houses, um, violence from, from violence among the families, and very little hope. Healthcare is uh, modern healthcare, at least, is hardly not available to them. So that's why I picked, ex especially the south of Peru, an area of extreme poverty. If we said this is exactly the place where God will act and, and um, help reach out to these people, and now twelve years have passed, we have seen so far. 350,000 uh, patients. Wow. Klaus, give us some insight here into the religious nature of people in Peru because across the South American, American continent, uh, Christianity is very strong, or at least in numbers, uh, significant. Uh, what about Peru? How does that look uh, from a Christian perspective? Well, I can uh, quote some statistics and I can tell you stories. Uh, first, statistics. Uh, uh, 85% are Catholics, 15% are Protestants, but over the past 20 years, about um, 5 to 
8% had a conversion experience. So when I, I have to go to Lima many times, I sit in a taxi, and the taxi driver got a Bible right then. What is this book? Yeah, Is this the Bible? Yes. And then I ask him to share his testimony. And it's remarkable how many Peruvians, thousands, had a radical transformation of their lives because they um, they were invited to a church, they started reading the Bible, and even our pastor that works at the hospital, Marcos Acuna, he used to live as a truck addict in the streets for many, many years. And then he was always looking for thin paper to prepare his joints. Yeah. And then he had this book with 1,200 thin pages. So, wow, that's good, great for 1,200 uh, cigarettes. But he started reading the Bible, obviously, and he was completely changed. He's been working with us now for five years. So... People are open to the gospel. 96% Peruvians believe that God exists. Hardly any atheists in, in Peru. But there's a syncretism, um, Catholicism, uh, pagan beliefs, superstition, and alcoholism. That's a strange mixture. However, I must say, I also know many, many Catholic nuns who do great social work. Uh, I don't want to comment on their faith, but um, God is certainly active and working in Peru. Interestingly, when we talk about what God is doing in the world, uh, it's not that long ago that the level of Christianity across all of South America would have been seen as the highest number of Christians who were uh, in that particular continent in the world. As I understand it, Africa just recently has, uh, has overtaken the number of Christians in South mm-hmm. America. And uh, we're talking in the hundreds and hundreds of millions far beyond what we can even imagine in the West. But uh, what does Protestant Christianity look like in Peru? Uh, does it look the same way as it does, say, what you've seen here in Australia? What does it look like for you? Well, there are about uh, 10 different church associations in the evangelical uh, field, yeah. And, uh, well, a, a church service in Peru takes longer than it, uh, it does in Australia, about two hours, perhaps three hours even, and um, people show up sometimes late. Yeah, they come to church thirty minutes late or whatever. It doesn't matter. They are part of the part of the fellowship, part of the crowd, and um, they re- certainly reach t- teach the gospel. And what is uh, clear cut that Christians in South America they take the Bible as it is. Yeah, in in, in Germany where I grew up, you know. Uh, theologians will discuss uh, endless hours about the meaning of a verse, and this really has happened, yeah? Like Lutheran Christians, many even don't believe that God exists. I tell you, I talked to for many hours to a Lutheran minister for three hours, and after uh, then I discovered that you're using the same terminology, but he didn't believe in the resurrection of Christ. With I did, yeah? But using the, <laughs> the, same, <laughs> the same words. This is different in South America. People believe that God is there, that he does miracles, that Jesus uh, rose from the dead, that he will come back, that he's powerful, and that um, the most important question of our life is whether, whether we accept Jesus as our Savior. Amazing to hear you reflecting on that because the way that different cultures treat the Scriptures, and as you say, there are some who are so interested in the sophistication mm-hmm. of how they interpret the Scriptures that uh, they've almost talked themselves out of belief in God. Uh, whereas you've got a simple faith in the people in Peru. That is true, and that's why churches are full. Now, if you go, now I compare now Germany, where I grew up, I spent 20 years of my life in Germany, you go to a church where the pastor doesn't really believe, the church will be empty. 
perhaps the church got 10,000 members that even pay taxes, state church in Germany. However, there are 20 elderly uh, women in church and nobody's really interested. They might show perhaps uh, up a Christmas service. But in, in Peru, in Africa, in third world countries, people believe and they are up on fire. Yeah, and they see miracles because they believe in God. Whereas in in many Lutherans in in Germany would say, "Oh, miracles don't happen, impossible." So when we have the growth of the church in a dynamic way, miracles are very much a part of that. When you are from the medical profession and you're running a hospital, uh, how do miracles fit in with the way that you are treating people for their physical ailments? Well. We do pray. Obviously, we have a very modern hospitals. So we have CT scanner and uh, modern technology, the operating theatres. That's what we do. Very similar to what a surgeon would do or a doctor in a Brisbane at a Prisma hospital. However, we do pray. In fact, prior to starting operation, we offer to the patient. It's not an obligation. We don't force it on uh, on a patient to pray with him. Now, we start every morning with a church service. We have celebrated the past twelve years. 3,000 church services, and we had a half a million Peruvians, so 350,000 patients, the relatives, the friends inside, listened to the gospel, to the, uh, hearing the message of the cross of Christ, the empty tomb, and this does a change. Well, people come from all over the country to Peru, they travel 10, 20 hours, because they know that our hospital is different, and that we pray, and that we believe in God, and we want to honor God with what we do, and that creates a lot of confidence in our hospital as well. So, whereas in Germany, for instance, or in, in France, you wouldn't be allowed to talk about faith, we do it, and this is actually our success story. Patients come to hospital because of our faith. This is 2020 with Neil Johnson, helping you make sense of life, culture, and current events from a biblical perspective. 2020 on Vision. Our special guest this hour is Dr. Klaus Dieter John, and we're talking about South America, particularly zeroing in on the nation of Peru, because Dr. Klaus and his wife founded what is called Diospi Suyana. It's a mission hospital, and sometimes we think of mission hospitals as being thrown together and holding together just in a sense of survival mode, working with antiquated equipment. Well, we're talking about a mission hospital today that is a modern mission hospital, so much so that in the whole nation of Peru, it has attracted a tremendous reputation. Klaus, let me ask you, because the hospital is so good that you've had the attention of the presidents of Peru and they have personally wanted to be photographed, filmed, reported at your hospital because it is such a high reputation. Uh, let us uh, in on a few uh, secrets here. You've got uh, you've got presidents interested in what you're doing. That is true. Over the past 12 years, we, we founded the hospital, opened the hospital in uh, October 2007, three months after the big party. Um, we had two state presidents coming to see the hospital, about eight ministers of health, several ambassadors, and many secular television teams. So uh, we have we know that over 40 television shows, reports, have been on 16 TV channels in Peru. So 32 million Peruvians, almost all of them, have seen at least once a report on our hospital of faith. And when we talk to journalists, when we show them around, it's the same story to Christian and non-Christians. And we share 
the miracles God has done. And just want to get, show one uh, little story. When we're about to to found the hospital, build it, we're looking for a civil engineer, somebody willing to, to come to Peru to supervise the construction, our consulting partner, working really hard for many years, but without payment. So we looked around, didn't find anybody. And what happened in February 2005, I was sitting in a small in a small apartment in Wiesbaden, that's my hometown, close to Frankfurt, together with a lawyer, and we were talking about a legal document. And as the hours passed by, the lawyer said, Well, I'm also a member of a charity group. We're 25 people and we support an orphanage in Sao Paulo, Brazil. We're helping street children in Sao Paulo. And one of us used to work as a civil engineer. And I said, Wow, what is his name? Please tell me. Well, his name is Udo Clemens. Do you happen to have his telephone number with you? The looks in his bag. I brought the numbers right here. Asked for a little break to make an instant phone call to Mr. Clemens, somebody I never met before. And I said, Mr. Clemens, your doctors want to build a hospital in Peru. I just heard about you two minutes ago. Could you run the show? You do whatever it takes. But we're not paying anything. And when I called him, he was sitting in his kitchen with his wife and had been praying for three days. That morning, three hours. God, is there a special purpose for life? Is there anything you want us doing? And they prayed. And after the amen, I called them. And we're telling these stories to Christians and to non-Christians. There are hundred others that are mentioned in my books. And even atheists, and there are many atheists in Europe, they say, okay, we, we can't really explain this. We can't explain it, but we're going to get on board anyway. And uh, amazing that it's not just people who are preachers and Bible teachers who make great missionaries, but it's people who are engineers and uh, all of those other administrative and support networks that must happen uh, in order to have a mission endeavor actually uh, come to fruition. And this is the key, isn't it? That it's not just people who are Bible teachers and preachers, but it's people who are ready to use their skills to use their gifts for the extension of the kingdom of God. Right now, we are a group of 60 missionaries from many different countries, and um, this group includes uh, highly trained doctors, nurses, administrators, IT specialists, teachers, social workers, and uh, we have even now um, an engineer from Australia, from Sydney, Chris Welsh, who does all the satellite connection for us. Well, years ago, his wife was reading a book published by Youth with a Mission, on on our family, hope in the end is, and they were so moved, and brother moved to Australia in 2016, and he's doing all the satellite connections for our different sites uh, connected to our radio. Okay, we haven't really got into that yet, but let's uh, let's touch on that before we take a call or two, uh, because along with what's happening with the Mission Hospital, and uh, as well established as that is, and uh, with not only national coverage in Peru, but international coverage because you've had uh, groups that have made documentaries about what happens in the uh, Diospi Sayana Hospital. But you've also got this developing network in media in which you're expecting to reach not only Peru, but you've got a vision that's big enough to reach all of South America. Yeah, we signed a contract with Inshotsat, that's a company in the United States in Miami. And so... The satellite covers all of South America. What we have to do to buy in in different areas the frequency, which is not quite cheap, and then we set up a tower and we convert the signal from this uh, from the satellite into FM, and then we reach many many uh, people in that area. So far, we've got six towers up and running, but we hope to do a lot of better in the future with the help of Chris Welch 
and uh, we want to reach in the long run millions of people with the gospel. On Vision Christian Radio, Neil with you on this Tuesday edition of 2020. Our special guest this hour is Dr. Klaus Dieter John, and we're talking about South America today. You're invited to be part of our conversation, 1-800-316-316. Let's take a call or two. Let's first of all hear from Union Jack in Victoria. Hi, Jack. How are you? I'm awfully well. <laughs> Jack, what are your thoughts for our conversation? I couldn't agree more. I couldn't agree more. And I look... Um, Especially last bit you're talking about, you know, it doesn't have to be the minister and his dog collar. It can, it has to be a transformed life by people in the streets and in the trains and everything. When I get on the train, I get my mouth organ and I play, you know, uh, Christian tunes like Oh When the Saints Are. And actually, if people want to talk to me about Christianity, I just tell them the simple things that, um, you know, Jesus plus anything equals nothing. But Jesus plus nothing equals everything. Because some of these people in churches add stuff and they think you have to do this. Or like uh, they were saying, you have to analyze verse uh, and, and really miss the whole message. Jack, you're uh, raising you know, a really important point here. And that is that even what we're qualified to do is not going to stop us from being involved as one who is a missionary in the sense of being able to share our faith. Uh, but of course, if you do have particular gifts, then your gifts can be used in significant ways. Uh, what are your thoughts, uh, Klaus, for, uh, for Jack, who's called in? Yeah, I think everybody got his Methodist style to spread the gospel. In my opinion, always helps to tell people what Jesus means to me and whether he has changed my life. If we can um, give this, if we can share this experience to people, how God has transformed our lives, then this is also very convincing. It's hard to argue with somebody who shares his experience. So everybody got his method. The important thing is that every Christian is a missionary, or we ought to be missionaries, and uh, we have to speak up and, and share the gospel. Thank you so much to Jack in Victoria, 1-800-316-316. If you'd like to join in our conversation, let's hear from Sarah in Charters Towers in Queensland. Hi, Sarah. Welcome. Hi, how are you? Very well, Sarah. What are your yeah, thoughts for our conversation? Um, I'm just really excited to hear what um, Dr. Klaus is saying, and um, I'm hoping to do some pastoral care training next year with the possibility of uh, going down the hospital chaplain road and um when i heard about the books i just oh i just really want to learn more from him so um and it's it's just yeah we just build our faith so much to hear, get a bigger picture of what's got god's doing um i got a, a friend who is originally from peru but she's a nurse and she puts her job on the line um just praying for people, listening to God, and there's so many, she works in Queensland, so many testimonies that have come out of people that God's led her to, um, people who are going to die soon, who other staff might not realise, and she's led them to the Lord and healings, or just, just, yeah, I, well, and I just want to grow more in what I'm meant to be doing. Yeah. yeah. So, and Sarah, it's yeah. not easy for people in the medical profession here in Australia no. to actually share their faith. Mm -hmm. Things are changing significantly and uh, there's a lot more pressure on people not to speak mm -hmm. up. Uh, Klaus, what are your thoughts for Sarah? Because that's not the situation in Peru. You can speak very openly about your faith. We are very open. In fact, people expect us to share our faith. That's why they have travelled so far to, to our hospital. I know... Um, the situation in Australia, because in Germany or in, in England, it's similar. Um, we have to be politically correct. We 
should never uh, uh, force faith issues on our patients in a vulnerable situation. However, which is very sad because patients are usually more open to the gospel. They realize that life is short. They are going to, to, to die eventually. They ask perhaps for the first time the real questions that count. And um, so I really encourage Christians also to work at Christian hospitals because you can speak from early morning till late at night about your faith in Jesus, what it means to you. Thank you so much to Sarah from Charters Towers. Interestingly, and uh, just a minute or so out from the news now, but uh, when you're treating people in a hospital setting, just to pick up on what you were just sharing then, Klaus, is that eventually we will all die. Uh, So is there something of a reminder in the fact that we have health issues through our lives that ought to be drawing our attention to this idea that we will all die, but there is more to life than just the physical, but there is a spiritual dimension to us? Which is even more important than the body. More important. That's what Jesus said. And when we have our church service in the morning, uh, every morning 30 minutes, that's the message we have that eventually we will always lose the fight against death. We are all going to die. The patient, the doctors, the nurses, the man of the cross, Jesus can give us eternal life, the empty tomb. And this is our hope. Easter time, we, there's a mountains in Kurovasi, so we celebrate together all the missionaries and Peruvian staff um, um, an Easter serve in the morning. Uh, Klaus, uh, we'll take another call in just a few moments, but let me come to this formation of your own faith. Because when people think of a Christian doctor working in mission, they'll be thinking, you must always have been a wonderful, humble man of God, full of faith. But let's uh, let's hear a little bit of your own reflection on that, because uh, faith was very tough for you in early years. That is true. Uh, well, Christians form a tiny minority in, in Western Europe. In, eight, in Germany, 82 million people only 3 to 4% go to church. So 96% stay in bed faithfully Sunday morning. They have nothing to do with Christianity. And so my friends at school, when I went to university, were agnostics, atheists, or materialists, were more interested in money, vacation, whatever. And uh, here was Klaus. I had grown up in a, in a Christian home, and I was wondering, is it true what the Bible said? Is there really hope? Did she really... Um, leave the tomb on the third day will he come back can he listen to me can he see my secret tears and you know as a medical student the same in australia i'm sure you see so many young people dying and you think well perhaps i got this disease hodgkins or lymphoma or brain cancer whatever it is and i wanted to know desperately if there was hope if this was for real or not so one night I was out in the fields, November, dark, cold in Germany, and I was crying at the top of my voice, God, where are you? I want to see you. And uh, 15 years later, when the Diocesan Hospital was up and running, and uh, I wrote a book, and the title, I Have Seen God, is clear-cut, God Has Become Visible. Take us into a little bit of personal depth here. How did you see God or the workmanship of his hand? How did it look? How did you uh, identify that it was God in the events and the circumstances of your life? Well, well, first of all, it was just impossible to build a modern multi-million hospital in the Andes, uh, who has to pay? Who pays for it? Yeah, and the patients certainly don't pay for it. The government doesn't pay for it. So it was just impossible. And everyone understood it's 
not real. And we said, well, if God is there, certainly, and we have the calling, then he can do it. So we started out with nothing. And um, so far we have collected $31 million, a bit more even, from Christians and non-Christians. We don't, we send our newsletters, we don't ask for money. I give one of 50 presentations a year, but we don't ask for money. We share our story and people are very moved because they see something in action that they can't explain. Uh, many times I speak only to atheists, rotary clubs, lying clubs, universities, but the, the message is the same, that God is active and it's worth trust, uh, worthwhile trusting him. We're taking calls 1-800-316-316. Let's take a call from John in Tyagum. Hello, John. Welcome along. Yes, it's John here. Yes, John. In 2010, my, my wife was was uh, vice president of Christian Lever in Queensland, and we, we attended the World Christian Lever Convention in, in Peru in 2010, run by the Evangelical Church of Peru. Uh, we found 22,000 young people under the age of 30 members of Christian Endeavour. Wow. And they, they ran the convention. They, uh, they couldn't find a building big enough uh, to hold the people, so they, they rented a huge marquee uh, to run our, our convention for four days. John, you're identifying something pretty significant here in that the receptive the receptivity of Christians in Peru, and perhaps this is similar across South America when we talk about the vast numbers of Christians, uh, when people are responsive to those seeds that are sown into their lives, uh, the words of the gospel, uh, they are very much more responsive than we typically see in the West. What are your thoughts for John? Uh, it's absolutely Charles? true. Uh, we have big meetings in Lima, in any uh, uh, South American city, there can be uh, meetings of rallies of 20, 30, 40,000 young people listening to the gospel, to Christian singers. People are open and they ask the real question. Uh, you know, it, it was similar in Europe. You know, when, when um, John Wesley was around uh, hundreds of years ago, we had revivals in Germany after World War II. Churches are packed full now that they are open. Sometimes it has to do with um, effluence. When we are very wealthy, when we've got everything, all the insurance scheme you you can get, two cars and two vacation, then we lose perhaps uh, our focus that our life is limited and that we're going to die, that we need forgiveness and salvation. John from Tyagum, thank you so much for your call. 1-800-316-316. If you'd like to join our conversation, you can also leave a note on our Facebook page at facebook.com forward slash vision radio. When we talk numbers of Christians in South America, I mentioned just a short while ago, uh, Klaus, that at one stage, not that long ago, uh, in South America, that would have been the big revival ground of the world, insofar as the numbers are so vast. Let me just reflect on uh, on numbers for a few moments here, because I mentioned that Africa has surpassed South America. But what we're talking about here on two continents is the sheer numbers of Christians. And when we talk people who identified as Christian in South America, more than 600 million. And uh, I was reflecting uh, recently on a number in Africa saying 541 million. Since then, I've noted the Pew Research uh, that they have come up with a, a figure of 640 million for Africa. But, but we're talking over 600 million Christian believers 
across the continent of South America. And people are much more attentive to prayer. They are much more likely to go to church. They are much more likely to have a deeper Christian faith than we're seeing in the West. Is this a surprise to you? And I know you're reflecting on people's socioeconomic uh, Mm. uh, status, whether they have money or whether they do not. But what are your thoughts on just the sheer numbers here? Yeah. Uh, No, when we discuss Christianity and faith issues in Western Europe, People are inclined to think that, well, the poor might believe in God, the ignorant, who don't have gone to university. But this is definitely not the case in Peru. I've talked to many ministers of the government and three straight presidents. And I always ask, do you believe in God? After my presentation, I asked them, what do you think? Yeah, And um, most um, government officials and most high-ranking officers in the government or director of companies, they believe in God. They believe that God is there. They have no problem whatsoever um, with um, modern times and the biblical God who is all-powerful. However, um, in, in Peru, I would think that about 10 to 15% of the population, they really want to live their faith. They're ready for the sacrifice to carry the cross of Christ, which is obviously a step further. Just believing something is good, but it's a lot better to have Jesus changing your life and be obedient in your life. But there are many, many who do so in Peru and other Latin American countries. And um, I think the West, Western world can envy what is happening down south in, in, the, in the South America. And it's not as though there are not those who are opponents of the church because uh, you've experienced this, I know yourself too, uh, in Diospi Siana at the Mission Hospital there in Peru, that there have been protests and uh, all sorts of things that have gone on. Has that come from people who are opposing the gospel or opposing your Christianity and working in medical mission? Well, we, we, have seen, we have seen opposition, especially last year. The reason is that so many people envy our success. Every day, every year, more patients, thousands are coming to the hospital all over the country. We charge only four solas, 1.3 American dollars. And, well, medicine in Peru is is, is a market. It's about money. And there are so many private clinics and private doctors who want to make money. And in in that respect, our mission hospital is helping the poor and um, giving high-quality treatment to people who don't pay for the whole thing. Uh, yeah, really, they're angry about us. Yeah, they're angry with us. Well, how significant is this? And just to stop and reflect for a few moments, uh, when we think of the good work that you're doing, where the reputation is so high, where the standards are set so high, and yet you're able to deliver a service so low cost-wise that the people of a nation become envious of the good work that is being done in a mission hospital that, as you have testified, has come together by no other reason other than the gracious power of God at causing these things to come to bear and uh, to provide a stake in the ground. Uh, mm-hmm. This is what Christian Mission does. I mean, this is uh, it's quite an amazing story. And no doubt when you tell this story, people are astounded whenever they hear it around the world. And you do a lot of traveling these days, Klaus. Yeah, well, the key is we always tell the same story to Christians and non-Christians. 
I think that's important. We don't have a Christian version when we go to a Baptist church, and then we've got a more secular uh, wash down when we talk to Rotary clubs, universities. Oh, we are humanists, want to help people. No, we say, we say our only hope is the cross of Christ and the empty tomb. And we also explain in my talks that uh, God made it happen. That his miracles, yeah, because when we started out, we had no money and nothing. And I want to sh- tell you some one story. When we returned to, to Germany in 2004, we started our, well, campaigns, presentations. Once we were invited by um, a very important businessman. In fact, he was the secretary of the, of the Chamber of Commerce of Berlin, and that night in his house, there were all the upper class people, non-Christian people, obviously. And Tina and I, we gave her a talk. And we said, this is our dream. We want to build it. And we believe God can do it. And they said, wow, you've got so much passion about it. We love it. But don't talk about God. You have come to Germany to, to find money, equipment. People don't want to talk about faith issue. Shut up about this. yeah." And we said then, well, we believe that God is important to Everybody here in this uh, room, wow, they felt a bit offended. And they said at the end of that uh, long night, they said, well, if you keep on talking about the gospel, you will never, ever get on a secular radio television station. Never, ever. The next day, we gave a presentation close to Berlin in a castle that has been decorated. 150 people packed full. There was a secular television team taken the whole night and was on a media loop for a whole week. So we had so far over 60 television reports. Even Deutsche Welle had a 30-minute television show in Spanish and English and in Arabic around the world, and it's all about faith. Klaus, this is an amazing story, and let me just come back to something pretty important here, because when we talk about reaching out to the poorest of the poor, when we talk about the developing world, we know that there are huge needs, uh, not only in South America, but as we've had uh, conversations on this program about the needs that are going on in Africa and other poor nations of the world, and yet... We wonder why there is not more medical mission. And I know that there are a lot of doctors and I have friends who are doctors and they're involved in mission activity, whether it's short term or whether it's long term. There's a really big need here, isn't there, for people who have medical training Mm -hmm. and who have faith in Christ uh, to put those two together and say, what can I do? Because the world is in need, the desperate needs in some countries. I wonder if you can reflect on your travels throughout South America. America as to what sort of needs there are medically for reaching out into the to the continent. You're absolutely right. There are great needs, and uh, doctors are wanted in many mission hospitals around the world. The problem is there are many mission hospitals in Africa, for instance, that are poorly equipped. So an Australian doctor who has been to medical school many, many years, highly trained, he thinks, well, I've gone through all this hardship and all this studying, and now I have to work at a mission hospital Somewhere in Africa, they have no ultrasound machines, outdated, the equipment broken down. But at our hospital, this is the the beauty, we have the same technology you're using in Australia. So we're inviting doctors and nurses to to join us. However, there are two requirements, three requirements. You have to be a committed Christian. You have to uh, look after your support. You have to come for three years at least and um, then study Spanish. Yeah. So, but... Well, we had so far 200 long-term missionaries who have gone through this hardship to studying a foreign language and uh, building their support group.
Well, I know there's a lot of people who have that aspiration to learn to speak Spanish, and that would be a great way to do it, just exactly. to become immersed in the uh, the culture there in Peru. Hey, we're taking calls on 1-800-316-316. Let's hear from Jonathan in Perth. Hello, Jonathan. Welcome. Yeah, hello. Jonathan, what are your thoughts for our conversation today? Yeah, as I'm listening to the speaker, you know that wherever God is working is our work greatly. The enemy is confused. It causes a lot of trouble. So you see, in the Wednesday, as we're talking about, we take things for granted because we have everything we want. We don't see who God is, especially sometimes it causes of the, uh, according to how the religion we started with, when you start with lukewarm religion or Christianity, when people are tired with fake religion or fake gospel, they decided to leave the church at all. This is what happened in the West. Jonathan, because you're saying that people can see through a facade where you've got like a fake gospel, but where you've got a genuine expression of the gospel being preached and not ashamed of the gospel of Jesus Christ, God's blessing comes in such a way that it does, in fact, raise opposition to it. A quick response for uh, for Jonathan from you, Klaus. Absolutely uh, true. When we um, honor God and we are open about faith, God will honor us and will, he will give open doors. We have seen this over and over again over the past 20 years. I've been to over 200 companies big companies, and I talked to CEOs in many countries around the world. Once I spoke to Stanley Berkman, the CEO of Henry Schein, the biggest dental supplier around the world. We met at a nice hotel in New York. He was Jewish. I was German. How many members of his family died in German concentration camps? He was Jewish. I was Christian. The same presentation, the cross of Christ, the empty tomb, and they supported us with $200,000 in equipment for a dental hospital. So I we are very, very open, and we use every opportunity to talk to high executives, directors about our faith, and they realize, oh, these are trustworthy, honest guys. They, they, they don't shy away, and it's worthwhile to supporting them. Thank you so much, Jonathan, in Perth. Let's take another call. Robin, hi, Robin. Welcome along. Yes, hello. <laughs> How many things could I talk to you about, Dr. Klaus? Because um, I, I have a love for Germany, actually, <clears throat> and um, I know it's God-given, but... Um, um, I, I missed the first part of the talk, and I'm sorry about that, but um, it's great because God has obviously called you to Peru. Um, but when we're talking about all of these um, issues, I mean, really, they're spiritual issues where um, there's, a, there's no openness to the gospel and that sort of thing. Because, if, you know, if you remember Daniel and even Revelation and whatever, you, we realize that there are powerful, um, well, you know, satanic angels that powers over over different countries and different areas, and um, but I can I can report to you. You mentioned 2004. I was in Germany in 2004 in a prophetic conference, and boy, there was an open heaven over that. So um, God is doing uh, things, and but but the, the key is um, we have to know that God has called us specifically to a particular task, which he which he has you. And also, um, those powers in heaven, they have to be dealt with as Daniel. But again, it's God is the key because he is the one that we have to um, to reach, to ask, uh, Lord, uh, you know, we need you to, to um, 
make uh, you know make something happen here we can't just Robin wonderful power. thoughts there and of course uh, let me just pick up here and we're running short of time now Klaus but the idea that God's favour is being seen in the ministry that you've begun there with the hospital the Mission Medical Hospital at Diospi Siana and uh, there is a significant thing that when God is doing things that sort of thing ought to be expected sometimes we're somehow rather expecting that God is not going to move but really uh, as we actually exercise our, our faith this is the sort of thing that happens we expect God's going to do amazing things like he's done for you and he does things when we trust in him as I travel around the world sharing our story I meet so many people who tell me afterwards their story and by now I have seen hundreds of projects, um, initiatives of Christians that trust in God have done amazing things. Not everybody is running around writing books and speak on the radio, but I mean, things are happening all over the world as we speak. So sometimes we think God is asleep, God is absent. No, he is very active and as it's, it's good to travel and to visit other countries, and to talk to people, to ask questions, and then you will see that God is working all, all over the place. Well, I know there will be listeners to this program that appreciate that when we're talking to someone like yourself and hearing your story and your reflection on what's happening around the world, that we have some small context for what God is doing here in Australia. Thank you so much to Robin, and we're running very, very short of time now, but I do want to draw attention for listeners to how they can be in contact with you because your two books that we were giving away a little earlier, let me just say one of them is called I Have Seen God. The second book that Dr. Klaus wrote is called God Has Seen Us. Now, there is a website for the hospital that we're talking about today. And the website is diospisiana.org. Now, how do you spell that? D-I-O-S-P-I hyphen S-U-Y-A-N-A dot org. Diospisiana dot org. Now, there is going to be a story there as to how the whole mission hospital came together. Uh, there's opportunities there for people to serve in mission. And whether you're a doctor or someone in the medical profession or whether you're an engineer, whether you're administratively skilled, there are opportunities. And uh, just as we sort of close on a note like this, Klaus, uh, you would love to have people come and serve a three-year term uh, for the people in Peru. It would be outstanding to have 10 Australian missionaries' families joining us as doctors, nurses, social workers, teachers, um, X-ray experts. There's so much work to do, and um, we always try to have a very international group because this is the body of Christ, and in heaven we'll be together, Australians, the French, and the English, the Americans, and the Germans, yeah? So I'm glad that it works out so nicely at Jospisiana, very international, and we all have the same goal, to to worship God and to help our neighbour. And we did mention the Australian, Chris Welsh, who's about to actually join you in Peru. Second uh, term. He second came term. three years ago. Uh, what's Chris's uh, contribution? What sort of uh, skill or gift is he bringing to the mix? Uh, are you aware of his, uh, his background? He, he's a highly trained satellite expert. He has uh, 24 years or 25 years experience, and um, he's helping us to set up our media or a radio channel, television channel, 
he has um, done the satellite connection at six different sites. He's coming back in January um, for another term. But we could use so many Australians in Peru working with us. Okay, opportunities galore. Uh, let me just give the blog spot address for Chris Welch. It's welchesinperu.blogspot.com and you'd be able to catch up with what Chris is doing and a significant role as we've been talking about the media ministry that's running alongside what God is doing in the medical ministry. Diospisayana.de, the website to get those details. Dr. Klaus Dieter John is our guest from this hour. And uh, Klaus, just wonderful getting your insights. Thank you so much for dropping in to tell us your story and uh, God's richest blessing on all you do through the rest of this year. Thank you very much for inviting me. Before you go, thanks for listening. There's lots more great audio on demand, or you can listen to us live at visionradio.org.au. And remember, Vision is listener-supported. Your donation, large or small, will help us continue connecting faith to life for hundreds of thousands of people across Australia and around the world. Learn more or donate today at visionradio.org.au.